It's our good pal. It's Frank Corrado, former NHL defenseman and uh, you know TSN hockey analyst. Frankie, what's up, pal? Hey, Al's brother and Luca. I got a couple housekeeping items I'd like to get to before we get into the Leaf oh stuff, if that's okay it. with you guys. Al's brother, I'll get to you in a minute. I'm going to start with Luca. Luca, you're doing a great job as always. Is the outdoor rink season starting up, and are you going to bring Jesse up to Woodbridge to do a little outdoor rink, um, you know, hockey with me? Like, am I invited to that? Are we going to get Jesse out there? What's the situation there? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I was driving by that area pretty recently because I played indoor touch football up there on Sunday nights, and I saw the lights on. I saw a lot of cars back there. Um, it looks like it's outdoor rink season, so... Frankie, yeah. I'm good to go whenever you are. Jesse's at the World Juniors for the entire tournament, so when he gets back, okay. I'll bring him up there. I'll bring everyone, but I would love to get a game going there. All right, you and I will get going. We'll get Jesse up there, no problem. Now to Al's brother. Al's brother, on an hockey uh, unrelated hockey note, how are you <laughs> feeling about your football pick today without having Luke Wilson by your side? Are you nervous about oh. that? Is the president of your team breathing down your neck can you paint a picture as to what is going on in your head right now i feel great i feel fantastic i mean honestly that, that guy's been dead weight for a couple of weeks here he's feeding me bad information and now i feel like my mind is clear i don't have to go with those stupid seattle seahawks i don't have to you know question myself and 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 take wow. the browns when he wanted the ravens i can just pick whoever i want tonight if i want to take the jets i'll take the jets if i want the jags i'll go with the jags i can make my own wow. decisions with the tremendous information that i uncover and not have that nitwit Getting into my brain because oh he's God. now it's with the crazy. Of it's, it's crazy how you've kicked him to the curb and you continue wow. to curb stomp him. It's wild. Hey. It's wild. Hey, I, good for you, buddy. Could, you got a lot of conviction. I can hear it in your voice, and I look forward to it today. Now we can proceed to the Maple Leafs and the hard hitting hockey analysis, Els brother. Yes, we absolutely can. It's funny though because because I was gonna say like uh, upon you coming on today, we were talking about how. About a year ago, nearly to the date, is like when you made your uh, co-hosting debut on this show. And That's you remember right. how December twentieth, December twentieth, yeah. and December twenty-first last year was the first time uh, you and I did Leafs lunch together. Exactly. And do you remember how excited we were? We were going to come back into uh, into the studio on the Monday, react to a Sunday game. I think it was supposed to be a back-to-back that weekend, actually, and Vancouver was. Did we lose them? We might have lost them, Luca. We might have lost them. I mean, happy anniversary. Uh, um, Thanks, buddy. That, that's, I, listen, that's a I heard moment. you guys. It, it's good. I heard you guys talking about the Italian uh, national team, the hockey team. I have a little little information on that for you, if you'd like. I would so, love to hear it. Well, so there is a lot of really good hockey players with Italian nationalities and backgrounds, and the issue is it's hard for second-generation Italians to get their passport because if you had parents that came over to Canada and they gave up their citizenship, it's really hard for you to get it back. You have to go through your grandparents. So that means your parents have to get it through your grandparents first, then you get your citizenship through your parents. And then just because you actually get your citizenship, it doesn't mean 
that now you're eligible to play on the national team. So now what, what happens is you need to go live there for 18 months, a.k.a. play two seasons in Italy. Wow. Then you're eligible to play on the national team. So, you know, when you think about all the time that's involved in that, um, it kind of filters out a lot of players, especially guys who are still playing in North America, still playing in the NHL, still pursuing that dream. You have to almost, um, you know, go to Europe with the, the, the mindset that, I want to play in Europe, but I, I really want to commit to the Italian national team. So it, it weeds out a lot of guys that way. That's so interesting. I, I feel yeah. like, did you ever have any friends growing up that, because I, I had some friends do this and a couple of cousins, they they played for like the Italy national ball hockey team, and I don't know how they managed to kind of do that, but they've represented Italy on like the ball yeah. hockey scene. I got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot of thoughts on ball <laughs> hockey, and I don't want to offend anyone in Woodbridge because I, I got to go grocery oh, no. shopping, and I got to show face a lot here. Uh, but Woodbridge is like the, the capital, the ball hockey capital of the world, <laughs> and... I just, it's just not for me. Like, it's just not for me. I get it. Like, it's, it's a, you know, it's a hard workout. It's tough on your body, all that kind of stuff. It's just, I, I, it never appealed to me, ball hockey. We'll, we'll leave it at that. I was a ball hockey extraordinaire here in the city of Niagara Falls. Of course I'll you were. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, in conversation with Frank Corrado, a TSN hockey analyst, former NHLer, and formerly number 20 of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and currently number 20 is the newcomer, Dryden Hunt. We thought maybe he was going to get into the lineup. He was in practice yesterday, skating on a fourth line. Um, but then after practice, Sheldon Keefe says, no, actually, he's just we're getting a look at him. He's going to do some line rushes tomorrow ahead of the game, too. But he's actually not going to play. I mean, what is it with that curse number 20? Like, why is this guy getting the Corrado treatment? No, Sheldon Keefe doesn't do that. He doesn't play games like that. For for this guy, Dryden Hunt, essentially, he's coming over here, and, and with, the, with the the way the Leafs are playing, um, there's no rush to get him into the lineup. There's This is not a desperate team that desperately needs a lineup change. So it, it gives Dryden Hunt a little more time to get acclimated to the group, to start practicing, to understand what the requirements are structurally, system-wise with the team, how you're going to fit in. Um, and, you know, when you do get him in, you, you've put the player in a good position now because he's had ample lead-up time. He, he's learned what the focus is for the group and how to assert himself well in the group. And then it's up to him to obviously provide and play well and do everything that makes him a very good player. Um, but when the team's playing as well as it, it is, there's there's no desperation. It's not like you absolutely need to put this new guy into the lineup. So it's just Sheldon Keefe. It's another example of Sheldon Keefe putting players in positions to succeed and to do well on his team. And succeeding and doing well, 2 p.m. games are weird. So, like, not only is he he's missing out on the 2 p.m. game, which is weird for any athlete, I imagine. As a creature of habit, you have all of these routines. You don't play many of these games, but um, these are the next-gen games for the Leafs, and every team kind of has some of these wacky games. But I feel like every next-gen game is just insane for Toronto. The most notable one is, like, that Hurricanes game where uh, Mitch yes. Marner scored yeah. off the faceoff, and that was insane. Um does does the 2 p.m. start throw guys off a little, or is everyone just kind of, whatever, it's one game, like, we'll, we'll adjust, we'll be fine? No, it doesn't really throw anyone off. I think there's, like, a little reminder a couple days before, like, hey, guys, just in case you hadn't looked ahead, 
you know, the, the next game is a, is a 2 p.m. game. Um, and we were talking about this on Overdrive yesterday, and I, I, I said the Leafs play some afternoon games, and Brian Hayes was like, I don't, they, they really don't, but I, I remember being on the West Coast playing for the Leafs, and we would play like 4 o'clock starts out there, so it would be a 7 o'clock start back home, and every once in a while it would be a 5 o'clock start. Um, so it's not necessarily the same as a 2 p.m., but it, it gets treated the same in the sense that you get up, you kind of go through your stretch mobility routine at the hotel. You have this great big breakfast. You might have a little bit of a snack a couple hours before the game. And then you just go play the game. Um, you know, if if you're a routine guy, like if you're really bought in on your routine and it maybe takes you a little while longer in the day to get up and running, because NHL players are like every human. You wake up some mornings and you're like groggy, you're tired, the travel's caught up to you, but you know that you have essentially 10 hours until you really have to be turned on. So you have way more runway there. With the 2 p.m. game, it's like you get up and it's like, now your brain's got to be turned on. Now physically you got to be ready. Mentally you got to be ready. And you can almost, you can do yourself a favor by like tricking yourself to kind of sprint towards it. I would describe a 7 o'clock start in, in the dog days of the season as a little more of a marathon day. You get that 2 p.m. start, it's like a sprint, and you tell yourself afterwards there's going to be a nice glass of wine, a nice meal waiting for me. I can't wait to get through this game. It's going to be even better if we have a win. So you, you get yourself, you find ways to get yourself through the game and, and to have a good game. Well, I'm curious, Frankie, because, you know, after tonight's game, there's uh, a bit of a layoff here for the Christmas holidays. Everybody goes their own ways, goes with their families. I mean, is it tough to not, you know, look past that? Does that is that going to kind of throw focus off a little bit and, and, and change the mentality of some of these guys, maybe thinking ahead? And could it cause for maybe a bit of a sloppy game tonight on both sides? It really shouldn't. That, that No, that, that shouldn't be the reason why it would be a sloppy game. I mean, travel is travel. It sucks. No one wants to do it. A lot of Believe it or not, a lot of guys travel commercially. Not everyone makes a gajillion dollars, so they're going to deal with the airports and the travel delays and all that kind of stuff, and um, everyone's made their plans well in advance of this. Um, you almost look at it, you, you really look forward to the two days off because throughout a season, it's rare that you actually get two days off in a row. In the American Hockey League, when I played in Europe because it was a, a weekend heavy league there's there were times where we would get a, a Sunday Monday off or a Monday Tuesday off practice all week play the games the NHL doesn't have that luxury so you're looking at two days off and you're thinking that it would be so good to go home see my family see my friends whatever you're going to do it would be so good to do that coming off a great performance, a win, a flight where everyone's feeling good, everyone's saying Merry Christmas to each other, and it's a great feeling heading away. And you sort of come back to that feeling as well, um, where it's like nothing really changes and it's business as usual. It, it can be advantageous. This this holiday break can be great for a team that's struggling. Like if you're limping into this Christmas break, you can't wait for this to come, right? And it's a little bit of like, okay, we're going we're gonna to dig deep. We're going to take a look in the mirror, all of us, on our own time. We're going to come back, and we're going to try and figure this thing out. That's how you can um, you know, trick yourself if you're a, a team that's not doing well um, you know, to get a little more of a reset and get things going. But um, listen, there, there's no better feeling than having a great performance, knowing that you're going to go see all your loved ones, have a great time, and then come back to that same team where everything's clicking, everyone's you know, in a good mood, you love coming to the rink, and you know, as much as you want to get into the holiday break, 
you really want to get back to what you've built here over the course of the season. In conversation with Frank Corrado, TSN hockey analyst, and uh, the Flyers in town this afternoon for the next-gen game. Puck drop will be at 2 o'clock. Um, I heard you talking on Overdrive earlier this week about, you know, you've been wondering about maybe James Van Riemsdyk being a potential trade target for the Phil- or for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I- I've been wondering that aloud as well, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on why you think that might be an interesting target and, you know, what you'll be watching for him tonight. Well, the only reason I thought of it, I thought of it for a second. I thought of it because of the nostalgia having JVR back in the Leafs uniform. Um, and, and then I, I thought about it as, you know, a, a scoring winger who has some size, who would probably play pretty well with John Tavares um, lower in the offensive zone. I thought of it from that point of view only. Um Thinking about it more, like you have to take the salary into consideration. I believe JVR makes seven million dollars. It's not easy yeah. to fit that into your cap structure. The other thing, you probably want, and this is not a slight against JVR. He's a, a friend of mine, a former teammate of mine. But you you might want a little more speed. Like you might want someone who can keep up with whoever's going to be playing with Tavares, whether it's Willie, whether it's Mitch, um, just a little more speed to kind of drag. And, and I'm not saying John has been slow this year. He's actually picked up half a step or a step from last season. But the, the MO of this team is speed. We've seen it time and time again where someone comes in, they don't have the foot speed, they don't play with the, the pace that everyone else plays at, and they look out of place. And I'm not saying that would be JVR, but that would be one of the risks associated with JVR. And, and if you're going to go after him, you got to think that's your big move. Like that's got to be your, your one big move. So I'm not sure that's necessarily um, the bullet you want to use, but... You know, JVR is a player, obviously great hands around the net, great shot, um, offensive instincts through the chart, like very, very good offensive player, but um, not necessarily convinced that that was going to be the move or, or the right move for the Leafs. Just thought about it for a second as, you know, would it make sense? And maybe on some levels it does, and on some levels it doesn't, Al's brother. Yeah, it's, 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 that's, a, that's a quality answer, Frank. Quality, quality answer. I think for me, why I thought about it for a second as well was, you know, we've had these conversations many a times on air, off air. You know, the way that goal scoring changes in the playoffs is is astronomically different than the way that things happen in the regular season. And a lot of the goals are scored in tight and in and around the net, greasy, garbage goals. And JBR has been that guy his entire career. And it's just something that Toronto has lacked for, for many, many seasons. Like last year, they couldn't find guys who were good enough, strong enough, big enough to hack it in front of the net and bang and score those dirty, greasy Corey Perry, Pat Maroon, Nick Paul-esque goals. And JBR has made an entire career out of doing that. And that's why I looked at him as, as a guy who, yeah, maybe he could come in and work. The salary is a bit of a deterrent, even if it's half retained. It's still $3.5 million, which is still kind of tough to, to fit in here. And then you do talk about the foot speed. But it was more so, to your point, down low, and he could score those greasy garbage playoff type of goal. Um, I don't even know what it would take to, to get it. I think I, I heard someone saying that there'd be a market for JBR, so I don't even know what the price point would be. But well, I'm sure it's... there would, Al's brother. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want a guy like that? A veteran guy who's been around a long time, who probably has, um, you know, w- would like to win at some point before his career ends. 
And, you know, you talked about it. In and around the net, he's very good. The, the Leafs score more goals in and around the net than they have in the past. Um, I, last year, for me, it was like it was too few and far between. It felt like everything had to come from distance, whereas this year we're seeing, you know, you, you see Michael Bunting score from distance, and you're like, wow, he doesn't really score from out there. He scores from in and around the yeah. net. So just, just from that, like... You can kind of see, okay, they're getting more chances in the goal mouth area. There's a little more of a an emphasis on on trying to create from that area, and in the playoffs, like it, it's looking more and more like you're gonna have to play against Vasilevsky in the first round again. And um, good luck trying to score in Game Seven from distance on that guy. Like if, if you think it's gonna be exactly. bar down from the top of the circles, it's it's not there for you. Like you're gonna have to find a way to manufacture it somehow. Um, and, and that's been the biggest thing. It's like, and this is a whole other conversation, but that's been the biggest thing. It's like game seven, who can find a way to manufacture when the going is tough, where everyone's really on their, on their toes and sharp defensively. Um, and we'll see. And, and you know what? The more firepower you have, obviously, the better chance you have of breaking through in those situations. In conversation with Frankie Corrado, and the break is coming up. Um, this is a great time to get healthy, and it's just more days closer to the Leafs' blue line getting healthy, particularly Morgan Riley, who hasn't played in quite some time now. The Leafs are playing great defensively, and I think we can all agree that um, the guys that have come into the lineup have all stepped up. Connor Timmins, offensively, especially, he's just he's making a ton of great breakout passes and getting on the score sheet. But what do you think the Leafs miss most about Riley's game? And when he gets back, what are those kinds of things that we're going to notice? That I don't want to say we took for granted, but that it's just going to add even more to this blue line that's playing really well and full of confidence. Yeah, it's a good question. So when you look at the um, all the metrics that are measured for the Leafs, whether it's um, rush chances, cycle chances, forecheck chances, all the defensive metrics, it's astonishing how many of those the Leafs are in the top 10. It really is. Like, it's very impressive offensively and defensively. There's two categories that stick out where the Leafs are in the bottom third of the league. And one of them is by design, and that would be shot attempts. The Leafs don't necessarily create enough, not enough, they don't create a lot of shot attempts, but they use what's called adjusted scoring where certain shots are measured higher than other shots. So a shot from outside uh, outside the dots or high up in the zone isn't necessarily something they care to do. They want to create something more to the inside of the ice, so that's why their shot attempts would be lower. The other one that they're low on, and this is one they would want to improve, is chances off the rush. And so if you ask me what do they miss most about Morgan Riley, it's probably not going to be penalty killing. It's not going to be anything really in, in their defensive zone. It's the fact that Morgan Riley is so good at getting up in the rush and attacking as the fourth guy in the rush. And so that's what when I watch them play, that's what they, they would miss the most about Morgan Riley. They're still exiting the zone at 80, 80% plus every single night. So on, on their breakouts and, and their clean exits, they're fine that way. It's just Morgan Riley is so good at finding ways to get involved in the rush, to get involved offensively that way. And when he does come back, the fact that everyone else around him who has been playing while he's been gone is playing great defensive hockey – for me, I look at that and I say, hey, Morgan, get up in the rush even more. 
Like, do, do your thing more. Instead of playing 25 minutes a night and having to bury you with penalty kill time and defensive zone starts, you're coming back, and now you are the offensive guy that you were meant to be. You know, you don't have to pick up the slack for, for the defensive warts that's, that this team may have had in the past. And for the group around him, Maybe you, you needed this. Maybe you needed Morgan, who, who eats up a lot of ice time and a lot of responsibilities for this team, to be out of the lineup for a while to, to show it to yourself that you can get by with this, without this guy and not only just get by, do very, very well, actually improve defensively. So w- when he comes back in the lineup, I'd be thinking, how can I maximize offense from the back end, especially off the rush, when Morgan Riley comes back? I think I think we lost AB again. Potentially, we lost Al's brother again. We, we may have shame. lost him again. No, That's a great point, I, though. It, oh. That was a that was a mute malfunction. Oh, and that was a mute malfunction. <laughs> oh, I hate. I haven't done that. I didn't do that at all yesterday and today. Ah, oh, yeah. gosh darn it, Al's brother. I hate to break it to you, buddy. That does not bode well for your football picks later today. <laughs> I don't want to get oh, in your God. head, but um, what, we'll what see. I was, we'll see what, what I was. We'll see what res- kind of awareness you have later today, buddy. Well, I was just following up to the Morgan Riley comment and, and saying somewhere else where I think it'll it'll bode well for them to get him back is on that power play because since he's been gone, they've been operating at just 17%, which is 27th in the NHL since he had left. So, And for whatever reason, you know, I, I think we thought Rasmus Sandin could step in and be valuable in that regard right away. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. They haven't been able to find that success. They've been in a little bit of a funk. Um, so I think the power play, too, is somewhere where they're – Kind of missing, uh, missing Mo, and he should be able to help when he gets back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Frankie, appreciate it as always. We'll chat again real soon, I'm sure. Hey, buddy, anytime you want me to come on Leafs Lunch, no problem. Yeah, I won't be afraid to, to text you, unlike some people. You know exactly. <laughs> anytime, buddy. Love you See guys, you, all right? We'll all talk. Right, pal.